All right, good evening, everyone. Um, we'll get right into this. I want to I want to speak to you this this evening, the last session, on the topic your first profession. This is a phrase I use a lot <clears throat> because it is guided how I've practiced medicine and gone into businesses. I've started many businesses, failed at business, by God's grace, succeeded in some things, but um, it is your first profession that you must always keep in mind. Our scripture will be taken from, from uh, uh, this thing is tricky, isn't it? The book of Revelation. I'm going to go to the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, can you just click it to the next slide while you're here? And verse 9 says, I, John, also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. What I want you to get from this is that John never intended to go to Patmos. It was never his plan to spend the time he was going to spend in Patmos in Patmos. In fact, John was in Ephesus, and he was doing a great work in Ephesus. And as you read in the book of Revelation, Ephesus was one of the strongest churches. John had the ministry he wanted. He had spent all that time with Jesus. He was now able to use it. But something happened. As, as John was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, as he was lifting up the name of Jesus, an emperor ascended in Rome that could not stand what John was doing. It was the emperor Dalmatia. And when he came to the throne, he could not stand what was going on. Because he called himself, the emperor called himself Lord and God. And so when he heard about John preaching of Jesus Christ as Lord and God, he wanted to stop John from preaching. So what they did is they took John and they tried to throw him into a cauldron of boiling oil. You've heard the story. And when they throw John into the cauldron of boiling oil, nothing happens. He survives. And so the way to get rid of John is to send him to an island by himself where he can have no influence. It's interesting. Somebody talked about this earlier. Because it's on the island that he actually has his greatest influence of all. The emperor, whose, whose brother was Titus, who actually is the one who sacked Jerusalem and fulfilled Jesus' prophecy of, 40 years, of the 40 years, his father was also an emperor. He thought for sure that he could destroy the Christian church by doing things like killing off the apostles and the leaders and exiling people to places like Patmos. What I want to tell you about your first profession today is that sometimes you will have to leave Ephesus and go to Patmos. I want you to understand that for some of you, you won't always have the rosy story of the amazing successes, that somewhere along the line, you're going to wind up on an island that's seven miles by six miles where nothing hardly grows. You're going to be stuck in a place where criminals are sent. You're going to be put in a position you never thought you could ever thrive or survive in. And God is going to place you on Patmos because it's on Patmos that you're going to write your revelation. It's on Patmos that the great things are going to happen in your life. I said it just on the panel a second ago. The reason many of us never actually reach greatness is because we're afraid to fail. We're afraid of pain. We are afraid of Patmos. And I challenge you, I challenge you to find a way 
to get where you're supposed to be. And you got to do that by finding your why. People have said that earlier today. You've got to find your why. So what was John's why? Well, number one, he was a preacher of the word of God. He had the testimony of Jesus Christ as he lists in the three verses you see here. And if you go on with those three verses, Revelation 14, 12 says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Revelation 12, 17 says, And the dragon was wrought with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I like uh, Revelation 19, 10. It, it begins to explain that even more. It says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, uh, of the testimony of, of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is what? It's the spirit of prophecy. So John's why was he was a preacher of the word and therefore a keeper of the commandments, number one. And number two, he was a preacher, a speaker, a forth teller. That's what prophecy can also mean of the word. And those two whys landed him on Patmos. I'm going to give you a third why in a second. left and this thing stopped clicking. Okay. So those are the first two like I mentioned. But Christ's object lesson says this. I want you to get this. Without the Spirit of God, a knowledge of his word is of no avail. The theory of truth, unaccompanied by the Holy Spirit, cannot quicken the soul or sanctify the heart. One may be familiar with the commands and promises of the Bible, but unless the Spirit of God sets the truth home, the character will not be transformed. I want to tell you why you will often land on Patmos. Because often it's on Patmos that you meet the Spirit of God. It is on Patmos that the character gets transformed. So I want to give you a third why. The third why, and this is the third why of your profession, is character transformation. Very few people think when they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives about how is that going to impact my development in Christ Jesus? How is what I'm choosing going to either make me more a Christian or less a Christian, or will it have an impact at all? I want to challenge you as young professionals, as you go to start businesses and, and take new jobs, that you always ask God, not just, Lord, can I, you know, can I, can I share the word at this place or in this business? Can I, can I minister to other people? Because oftentimes we approach ministry like we have it all together. We have everything we need to give to others. You know what the mission trips I've done in my life have taught me? To places like Haiti, Southern Africa, South America, Jamaica, urban America. I have learned on those trips that sometimes God sent me around the world, not because I had a Jesus to give them, but because I needed to see their Jesus. Because their relationship with God dwarfed what my experiences were in the States. I challenge you to pick a career that when you go into it, you don't, it's not just an opportunity for you to share with others or for you to make, be successful, make money, have a good career. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that's a good thing to do, as we'll talk about in a second. But what I want you to understand is your character development should also always be at the forefront of everything you do. Because when you die, as we always say in church, the only thing you get to take with you to heaven is your what? It's your character. 
So imagine you pick a career, and somebody just kind of mentioned it on the panel, you pick a career that causes you to constantly be in conflict with your core values as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Choose the third why, character transformation. You hear me give my testimony, if you go online and watch my testimony, I'll be doing it in Tampa tomorrow. One of the things I start off with my testimony of everything I went through, I start off with is I needed character development. God sent me through everything I went through, not because I knew he wanted me to be a hero, but he needed me to be closer to him. And the problem for a lot of us is because we know the doctrine, we understand truth, we think we have it all together. And as Ellen White says there, just knowing the doctrine isn't enough. If the Holy Spirit is not bound to that, there is no character development. And if there's no character development, you can know everything and still be lost. The Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. So I challenge you, as you look for what you're going to do, as you go into your different professions or different things, you need to be able to do this. She says here, the rapid fulfillment of the predictions of Holy Scripture regarding the signs and events which were to mark the closing scenes of Earth's history is a sure evidence that we are now living in the last days. Therefore, a company of Christian people who keep the commandments of God and who have the testimony of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy, should today be in existence. Look at the question Ellen White asks at the end of this quote. Where may they be found? Where are those people? Now, what we often do as Adventists is we find a way to, to kind of coagulate together. We figure out a way to draw in and create up little safe zones where it's easier to be Adventist. And to some extent, there's nothing wrong with that. I went to Oakwood University, and I needed that four years, amen, Oakwood, those four years in a safer environment to build my reserve before I was sent out into a hungry, hostile world. So there's, there's reason for that. But where are they? Where are the people who truly believe? Where are the people who, have, uh, who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ? Where are, may they be found? And the answer is, they should be found a little bit everywhere. If we're the salt of the earth, some of us have to go into some difficult places. Some of us are going to have to go places other people wouldn't go. And I can tell you, God sent me into some of those places. You mentioned in my introduction, I was, I was the, uh, an advisor for George W. Bush's administration and for Barack Obama's administration. I sat on panels with people, with, with, a, with a former Surgeon General, with individuals who have influence in the world like you would not believe on issues of great import, on, on where federal dollars would go around the issue of HIV, on another committee where I was on with, with high-end influencers on the issue of sexual health in the United States of America. And I can tell you that I would be there and it would be, it's often be like spiritual warfare. Some of the meetings I would go into, I would literally fast and pray that morning before I went into them because I knew that there was going to be battle over what direction we should send the United States of America in. Even just by what we suggested in some of those meetings. And there were often only one or two voices that would say the things that would line up with the Holy Scripture. And I was always asking God, Lord, let my voice be on your side. Because, Lord, you sent me into this circle for a reason. And some of you are going to wind up in those circles. Your voice is going to be placed in, in a grand place where you can, you can make statements to help defend the cause of Jesus Christ. But guess what? You've got to be in the place with God, in a place with God, 
where you're not afraid to speak truth when you get there. Because it's tough. It's really tough to be the one voice that's different. It's not easy when you're being heckled and ridiculed in professional meetings because you believe, thus saith the Lord. And as a professional, you've got to be excellent at what you do. You have to know the science as a physician and a, have a, 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 doctor, a medical doctor degree and a doctorate in public health. You've got to know the science so that you can speak um, not just inside the word, but outside the word. And so I give you four things I'm going to leave you with, four practical little things I'm going to leave you with. And the acronym is PACE. So you have to have purpose. You've got to have action. You've got to have courage. And the E, you have to have excellence. Purpose, action, courage, and excellence. If you are going to go, if, if you're going to be what Ellen White was asking for, where may they be found? These four things come together. Number one, purpose. And I like the way that the Bible gives us purpose in this story. Daniel 1 and verse 8 says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the princes of, uh, prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. So a lot of times we talk about purpose, we think of like a purpose-driven model, like what does God want to do with me? I, I want the prayer of Jabez. I want more territory. The first purpose isn't the purpose of your growth. It's the purpose of your constraint. The first purpose is, am I willing to live like Christ wants me to live, even when I'm surrounded by folk who don't want to live that way? When I go into corporate America, and some of you are not going to have the, the, the favor to just be in an Adventist institution, organization. You're going to have to go out among the wolves. And like Daniel, Daniel gives you powerful example when he says he purposed in his heart. I challenge you to have that kind of purpose. When I went through everything I went through, I got phone calls with people who said, listen, if you're willing to recant your beliefs, and I'm just paraphrasing, if you're willing to recant your beliefs, we will get you your job back. We'll smooth everything over. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. You see, when I was, my mother was a single mother. She raised three boys by herself. I, I remember us not having enough money many months. We had more month than money. Somebody knows what that is. And I remember us lining up in our, live, in our, in our den, in our little house in Connecticut, and my mother having myself and my brothers get on our knees, and we pray and ask God to show up because she was out of money for that month. Didn't happen often, but I remember her making us pray that prayer. And I remember when we finished praying, the front doorbell rang. And when we went to the front door, there were groceries sitting on the front porch of that house. To this day, we don't know who left those groceries at the house. So when you tell me to recant on my God, I can't. Because I know that my God is a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. So even if I lose everything I have, not knowing what's next, I serve a God who will, survive, who will provide for me, especially in my darkest hour. Purpose in your heart, like Daniel, that you won't defile yourself with the things of this world, the king's meat, or of his wine. The second one is action. 1 Samuel 17, 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. David says, Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Action. 
You've got to be willing as a professional to go out there and do things. Now watch this. It's tough because sometimes your ministry can't happen on your job directly. So you're doing ministry on the side like I do. Now, where I work, it's, you know, I, I try to witness as much as I can with my patients and to, my, to people who work with me. Many of them are Christians. And so, you know, you know one, of our, one of our nurses was, was, was pregnant with, with a, uh, and the, the obstetrician gave her a bad report and said that she could lose the baby. And she was at work crying. And I gathered the nurses on that unit together and I, we laid hands on her at work. And prayed the prayer of faith in the name of Jesus. We claim a healthy delivery and a healthy child and a healthy mother. She delivered a healthy baby. She's healthy and she moved on. And guess what? The power of that prayer, the action of not being afraid to show that I'm a Christian in my workplace had a ripple effect in the place. Sometimes folk come from, Dr. Walsh, I'm going through something. I heard you'll pray with me. Are you willing to be active? Now, that's after everything I've been through. It'd be easy for me to be like, look, leave me alone. I don't want nothing to do with this Christian stuff. I, I want to be safe. But you know what God taught me by taking everything from me? That he can give it all back. Because I have more now than I've ever had. Multiplied more. More opportunity, more of everything. God is a provider. Take action with God. He will increase you as you move. The Jordan would not open until the priest's feet hit the water. Some of you are standing at the bank of the Jordan waiting for it to part and don't realize you got to take some action. Your foot has to touch the water for the water to move. So take action. Courage. Daniel 3.16, one of my favorite Bible stories, one of my favorite verses of this story. Daniel 3.16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, look at what they say right here. This is powerful. They say, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. They weren't careful. And they, they tell you why they weren't careful in the next two verses. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Look at this. Look at the but that they put in here. But if not, mercy. Let it be known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. The reason, don't miss this. The reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to go into the fiery furnace wasn't that they expected to be delivered. They understood that they could be delivered. It was simply the can of God. His ability is all they needed because once they understood that God could deliver them, they trusted his heart to do what was right for them. I hope you're getting this. You're not, you cannot be afraid. You've got to understand that you serve a God who can. And then you've got to understand another principle. I learned this at Wildwood. I see some of my brothers and sisters here from Wildwood. I learned this at Wildwood just a few weeks ago. I was there hanging out with them. And, they, and there was something powerful that was said in one of the classes. It was powerful. If you understand that God is love, you'll deal different, differently with God. Watch this. So if you put that together... You'll know that God can. He's all powerful, so he can. And you know that he's love. 
He's all love, perfect love, agape love. You put that together, you realize he can and he's love. That's why they could say in verse 18, <coughs> but if not, it doesn't matter if he doesn't deliver us because he loves us. And if not delivering is what's best for us, we trust him. If you're going to be successful and you're going to have to be courageous, you'll have to take risks, business risks, calculated business risks, calculated career risks. You have to leave one job to go to another one. But you're going to have to pray and ask God, what direction do I follow? Which way do I go? And then you're going to have to, when God sends you, you're going to have to go because you're going to understand that he can. But other times you have to stand up for what you believe in and it's not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be easy and you can lose a lot by believing and trusting God and speaking truth in, an, in, an, in a time of error. You can, you, you'll have to stand up and do that and you're going to have to remember that he, he can. My courage is based on his ability and his love. It's not just random courage. It doesn't come from me. It comes from the proper knowledge of him. So the last one is this one, excellence. Exodus, 30, Exodus 31, 3, I'm just reading back through the Bible. I started at Isaiah this time, just to be different. And I came up around to, I just went through Leviticus. It says, Exodus 31, verse 3 says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, and in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. This is a guy named Bezalel. He was the builder and designer, the, the, the guy who cut the stones, put everything together. He's never really talked about, never really mentioned a lot. He's someone we often skip over. We'd like to talk about the sanctuary message, and we don't realize the sanctuary message and the sanctuary is possible because there were people who were excellent at what they did. There were people who weren't Moses, weren't Aaron, weren't Miriam, they weren't the sons of Aaron, they weren't priests, they weren't Levi's, but they were excellent at what they did. I want to challenge you that everything that is possible in your life is possible with excellence. God does not want us to be the tail. He wants us to be the head. That means we study harder. We work harder. We push harder. We do better. Why do we do it? Because if we're Christians on our job or in our business and people are watching us, one of the signs that we are of God isn't simply that we say we are, it's that we function like we are. We work like we are. Excellence is one of those things. And being a physician, being a, and in public health, one of the things I can say when I went through all the stuff I went through, I was so thankful no one could ever write that I was not amazing at what I did. No one could ever say he did not do a great job. In fact, many of them wrote, no matter how scathing the stuff they said about me, said, but... It was an excellent public health department under his leadership. And guess what? I like that. I like that in the name of Jesus. And I like it because I want to represent Christ, not just because I say I represent Christ, but because I work to represent him even in the small things as Ellen White talks about. I'll finish with a quick story about all of this, putting it all kind of together. I had a patient come in who was um, diagnosed with terminal cancer. However, the oncologist was continuing to do the chemotherapy. This poor woman was suffering. Um, talking about excellence, I, I wound up training and doing to do wound care. So I do wound care now as well as part of what I practice. 
And she, because of the radiation and the tumor and the chemo, she lifted up her arm and she had a massive open wound, like the length of her inner upper arm, seeping purulent drainage, sloth all over the wound, and had a foul odor to it. And the woman couldn't put her, she couldn't, it was so bad, she couldn't put her arm down. So she was walking around like this all the time. She sat down and had that look on her face like, listen, I would rather almost be, the look on her face, she didn't say this, I would rather be dead than to be dealing with what I'm dealing with. I sat down with her and tears just started streaming down her face. She looked at me and just thought, I was going to tell her what everybody else tells her, that there's really no hope for you in this situation. That there's nothing you can do to be better. You're terminal, and maybe we can put some stuff on it to take away some of the pain, but, but you're not going to do any better. But in those moments, I reached Patmos. In those moments, I realized that God has intersected the skills he's allowed me to develop, the career that he allowed me to be in, with the ministry of the Jesus I love. That in one moment, it all flashes together for this person sitting in front of me. And one of the reasons I love being a physician and seeing patients is people come to me and I can bring them to Jesus rather than them trying to get them to come to church. And as I was sitting there, I said, Lord, what do I tell her? And if you hear me preach, I say this to a lot of patients. I asked her, I said, are you a believer? The tears began to stream even faster. She said, yes, I believe. I'm, I'm a Christian. The lady who was with her, I think it was her sister, was there, and she nodded in agreement that she was a believer. I said, but you look like you're running out of faith. She said, I'm tired, doctor. I'm tired. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the bad news. I'm tired of the fact that I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. I'm just tired, and, and I don't see where God is in anything that's happening to me. I said, if you're a believer, then we're going to believe today. If you're a believer, we're going to trust God today. And I said, if you don't mind, and this is in an open room where everybody can see, this is not in like a little exam room. I said, if you don't mind, I want to lay hands on you, and I want to pray for you right now and pray over you for this wound on your arm because I believe Jesus can heal you. He can heal that wound. She said, really? I said, yes. She said, I would, I would love that. And I laid my hand on her. In fact, the nurse that was with me, um, also Seventh-day Adventist, she, she laid hands on the lady as well. And we began to pray, and I began to pray. And I asked God, I said, Lord, I know her, ter- her cancer is terminal, but this wound, the wound itself, Lord, is causing her great pain. I am asking God as her wound physician that, Lord, you ameliorate and heal this wound. When I was done praying, she was crying. She thanked me. She hugged me. I saw her back in two weeks. And I prescribed stuff to put on the wound like I do everybody else. The wound that was about this big was about that big. And she was happy and smiling and just lifting up her arms up and down like a duck. She was so happy. And some of the nurses said, Dr. Walsh, you're... You, you're crazy to, to put yourself out there like that, that you would pray for her not knowing if it's going to get better. Courage. See in pace. I know that God can. I, I'm not in this profession wondering if God can. I'm in this profession because I know God can. And my challenge for you as young professionals who are going to do great things for God is to never forget that God 
can. Now, to close out, they've asked me to do something special, and I thought it was an excellent idea. We want to close with a season of prayer. Because all of us are going through stuff. All of us have reached our patmos. All of us have had our challenges. I want you to get into groups of twos and threes, and I want you to pray that God would help you with that decision you need to make right now, the challenge in your business or your career. Maybe there's something in your family that's going on. Maybe there's something in your health. But I really want you to pray about your ministry and your profession and its intersection. And I want you to ask God today to show you where he's sending you. I want you today to pray about your Patmos. Now God is going to use you to lead people to Jesus Christ. Father God, we, <clears throat> we come together now, Lord, to just close out today's Young Professionals section of ASI. Lord, these young people in front of us now, Lord, are the future in many ways, not just of ASI, but of the global work of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and of the very kingdom of God. Many of them, Lord, are timid. They know they can do big things, but they, they may be afraid to fail. They, they don't want embarrassment. They, they don't want to have to rebound. They, so, Lord, I ask that you just give them the courage to follow you in a big way. There are others, Lord, who are here who, who don't know where the resources are going to come from, from the, for them to be able to do the work that they do or to, or to do the work they want to do, Lord. They, they have no idea how they're going to put together the business plan or, 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 or don't think that their CV is enough. Lord, I ask in a very special way, Lord, that you bless them, Lord, with everything they need to be successful. Others, Lord, are here, and they don't even know what direction to go in. They're still trying to figure it all out. I ask in a special way, Lord, that you would show up in their lives, give them clarity, so they know which way to go as you're leading them to great work in these last days. But no matter what, Lord, for all of us, I pray and Lord, you'd continue to mold and develop our characters. That the great potter would, Lord, mold and fashion us into vessels to his liking. And Father God, we would not be resistant against that molding. We would not be resistant against the development that you want to give us. But Father God, we'd be humble, malleable, Lord. Father God, we would be in your hands what you want us to be. Now, Father God, I want to pray a special prayer over ASI, over the people who led out today. I want to pray, Lord, that this organization would continue to do your work in leading business people and professionals into a greater walk with you and to be better mouthpieces for you. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Church, say amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.